This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you here. Bless you, bless you. I'm thrilled to see people face to face. This is a good day. We've missed seeing you here. Bless all of you. I know there's been some trying times. I encourage you to pray for our nation, one, that we heal physically, and then that we heal emotionally and spiritually. A lot going on. You know, in uh, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. He that loveth not God, knoweth not God, for God is love. And so again, in our society, what is needed is the love of God. I believe that with all my heart, but it's not what I'm preaching on, so I welcome you. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, but our ushers can't get you one, so we better just turn there. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll be in 2 Timothy, then we'll go to Acts 20, and we'll go back into the Old Testament. You'll begin to get an understanding of kind of where we're going when we get to talking about the scriptures here. Again, we can't embrace a philosophy of, of compromise or a doctrine of compromise. And how that begins to happen is when we begin to demote the Word of God. I've I got to live by the Word of God. And I believe all morning long you're going to hear the significance of what the Word of God does for our life. I like to say it this way. You get into the Word and God will get into you. So we begin with the Apostle Paul's instruction to this Pastor Timothy. 2 Timothy 3 verse 14. But you must continue. You must continue. You must hold on to the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from childhood is very important that your children get in the Word of God in them. You know, again, I know if you're watching online, we we love to do the children's declaration. If you're not aware of where that is, your children are declaring Deuteronomy 28 is what that is, verses 1 through 14, powerful. And so again, he says, hang on to the word of God that you've had since childhood, that you have known the holy or the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise. I'm just going to stop right there. The the word of God has the ability to make you wise. When, When I heed it, when I hear it, but I also do it, he says, so the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture, not a little bit, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is is God-breathed. And it's like when you read that right there, it's like God saying, man, I, I want you to know my heart. And one of the ways that happens is, is through the scriptures. And what this is here, it's called the plenary. It's, it's the verbal scriptures, meaning every word of God is God-breathed, God-ordained. He goes on to say, and it is profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for reproof or rebuke. For correction, anytime I get into error or I get into rebellion, and he ends with this, for the instruction of righteousness, for the obedience or the training of righteousness. Now, this is what the Apostle Paul was highlighting about the power of the Word of God. And he ends in verse 17, and he says, that the man of God may be complete, thorough, 
useful, equipped for every good work. And so when we read what this is, God's got, he's got assignment for every one of us. And that my time here on the earth isn't that I work for 30, 40, 50 years and then I retire and then I die. God's got kingdom desires for every one of us. And so part of that is hooked to the more I get into the word of God, the more I have an understanding of what God's desire is for me. Now, turn with me back to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And as you're going to Acts 20, this is the farewell address that the apostle Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus or to the Ephesians. Now, when I find out that this is his farewell address to them, if it's your last thing to say to anybody, don't you think you would want it to count? I mean, if it's, if it's my last words to my children on this earth, I, I would really want it to stick what I had to say. Well, this is what the Apostle Paul's doing to the church at Ephesus. Acts 20, verse 27. For I have not shunned or avoided to declare to you the whole counsel of God. In other words, I, I didn't cut any corners. I, I didn't avoid telling you the whole counsel of God. And any time that I don't tell people the whole counsel of God, I'm leading people into deception or I diminish the truth. And how we diminish the truth is when men and women preach only parts of the counsel of God. And so the apostle Paul to me, you know what he's saying? I do you no good without telling you the entire truth or the entire scope of the word of God. Verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. You know, from start to finish in the Bible, this, this is a theme. The emphasis to the need to listen or not only to listen, but to heed how you hear the word of God. So he said, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church. Now, when you see to shepherd the church, several translations will say this, to feed the sheep, to tend to the sheep. And so this is what he's talking about. And he ends, which he purchased with his own blood. Verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves or like savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Imposters are going to come. How do we know they're imposters? Verse 30, also from yourselves, yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things misleading things. They will twist or dis, uh, distort the truth. And what is their meaning for that? To draw away the disciples after themselves. So this is very important and very significant. And it's got to line up with the word of God. It's got to be scripture that does me good. And this is one of the warnings that the apostle Paul said, these things are going to happen. He goes on to say, therefore, watch and remember 
that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Three years. He would warn and he would warn. Verse 32. Now, brethren, fellow believers, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace or the message of his grace. Now, what's significant about his grace is, listen to what he says, which is able to build you up. The grace of God was meant to build me up. The grace of God was meant to strengthen me. The grace of God was, was sent to help me to obey God. And there's been teachings about grace that no, the grace of God is, is for me to have a license to sin. Well, I don't know about you, I don't need a license to sin. I do well enough without a license. But when I read what he's talking about, he said, you got to have the grace of God, the message of grace that will build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So God's grace always builds up and it will release a spiritual inheritance. And, and when you see the word sanctified there, the word sanctified there means it's an emphasis on an unfinished process. I'm being sanctified day by day by day. So to let, let you help her understand that a little better, let me ask you a question. How many of you are farther along spiritually right now than you were a year ago? You see the process of being sanctified. That's what this is talking about. Am I perfect? No, I'm far from perfect, but I'm being sanctified. And so the more I get into the word of grace, the more God sanctifies me. And I begin to understand not only what God's plans are for my life, but who God wants me to be in this life. That he has desire for every one of us. So he goes on to ends with this. And give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God's desire is for us to be sanctified. So what do we got to do to be sanctified? Well, go with me to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, way back there. And as you go to 2 Chronicles 34, let me, let me set the table for you a little bit as you're turning there. Through, throughout the Samuels 1st and 2nd, throughout the Kings 1st and 2nd, and the Chronicles 1st and 2nd, you'll begin to see these little phrases that are put before all the kings. And they'll say this, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, or he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. One of the two. So that sets just a little bit up, and we'll fill in the blanks as we go here. Second Chronicles 34, verse number one. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Now, that's a head scratcher right there. Eight years old, part of the process of the lineage. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. I'm just going to tell you, the most of the kings that are highlighted, it doesn't say that about them. It usually says they did evil. Now, this one said he did right in, in the sight of the Lord. So, Man, I highlighted right in my Bible. You know why? I want to know what he did that was right, not in the sight of man, but in the eyes of God. 
So he goes on to say, and he walked in the ways of his father or his forefather David as David blazed the trail. That's how he walked. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left side. Do you know what that says? He walked a straight and narrow path. Verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, now he's 16. While he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. He began to seek. Now something happens when I begin to seek God. What are you seeking for right now? Think about the old game, hide and seek. You don't win the game until you find what you're seeking for. But what do you seek today? What do I seek in my life? And so he began to seek God. You know, I think within every one of us, what happens is we begin to live this life, and before long you ask yourself this question. There's got to be more to life than how I'm living it. And I, I came to that, uh, that conclusion years ago. In my, there's there's got to be more than what I'm doing. And I believe this is where Josiah was at. And so he began to seek the Lord. That's the first thing. What are you seeking today? He said he began to seek him when he was young. And you can seek God when you're young. Keep reading. And he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. He, he began to purge the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles, the carved idols and the images. One translation says he cleans or he cleansed the neighborhood. So we see two things about this king who did what was right in the eyes of God. Number one, he sought God. Number two, he began to purge. Is there things in your life that need to be purged? I believe always before there's a great move of God, there's always a purging. I believe there's a purging that's going on in our land. And so he began to purge the land. Now, this guy named Josiah, he was the 16th ruler of Judah. He was one of the most godly rulers that they ever had. And it was a huge contrast to the corruption that went before him. And the two kings before him, one was his grandfather named Manasseh, who was incredibly evil, and his own father, Ammon, who was incredibly evil. When you see this stuff about the, the, the things, the carved images and the idols that he began to purge, those are a result of his father and his grandfather. Just because you have generational stuff in your bloodline doesn't mean you can't serve God. I'm telling you, I think this is what happened, that he began to look and say, man, how... How did we get off track so bad? Verse 4. They broke down the altars of the bells in his presence. 
And the incense altars which were above them, he cut down the wooden image, the carved images, the molded image. He broke it in pieces and made dust of them, and he scattered on the graves of those who sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priest on their altars, and he cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Now, what I begin to see here with this guy, he didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. And he said, we've got to rid ourselves of these things. Now, here's an interesting thing. This was addressed to the Israelites. And I look at this and I think, okay, how did such a godly people, a godly nation, become so ungodly? How did they become so wicked? Verse 6. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon as far as Naphtali and all around with axes. And when I saw the phrase with the axes, literally that meant that he went after the root of these things with an axe. What in my life needs to be an, an axe taken to the root of them? Needs to be severed, needs to be broken. Verse 7. And when he had broken down the altars and the wooden images and had beaten the carved images to powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Israel or to Jerusalem. And so he wasn't playing. He said, man, there's got to be huge changes. Verse number eight. In the 18th year of his reign, now he's 26, when he had purged the land, and the temple. He not only purged the land, he purged the temple. There were things that needed to be cleansed even in the temple, the house of God. So he sent Shaphan, the son of Zaliah, and Masliah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder to repair the house of the Lord his God. And so he said, I, I got to repair the house of God. And so when you begin to look at this, the house of God hadn't been repaired for over 200 years. And so he, he sends different ones of, of, of his rulers that are under him to begin to repair and cleanse the house of the Lord. And they begin to take money to do that. And while they were repairing the house of the Lord, they came across a great discovery. And the great discovery they come across, I believe it gives me and you insight of why they begin to become so wicked and not live for God. So same chapter, pick up with me in verse 14. Now when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law given by Moses. He found the scriptures. So if he found the scriptures, that shows me right there they hadn't been getting into the scriptures. Verse 15, then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Do you know an unread Bible is just as useless as a lost Bible? Verse 16, so Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing king word, saying, all that was committed to your servants, 
they are doing. And they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Thus it happened when the king heard the words of the Lord that he tore his clothes. Now when they tore his clothes, it was significant of repentance. It was significant here of deep sorrow. That, that he was agitated, that he, he was mortally wounded in his heart. And he tore his clothes. And so just think about this. This is this God, uh, godly king who I don't think had ever heard the word of God. And anytime a, a, a group of people, a society gets away from the word of God, the result is what we saw in the earlier passage of these scriptures. So we can go back, we can take their name out, we can put our name out, and if I get away from living by the word of God, I'm going to get into serious issues real quick. I don't care who you are when you don't live by the scriptures. So he hears this and, and, and it cut him to heart. Some of you remember the passage in Acts 2 where, where Peter is, is preaching the word to the group of people. This is Acts 2.37. 37, 38, and 39, and he begins to preach the word to him. And the Bible uses this phrase, it cut him to heart. It pierced their heart. And they said to Peter, what shall we do? And he said, repent. Repent. A, a true and sincere repentance. And so this young king, he hears this. Verse 20. So the king commanded Hilkiah and all these other guys' names. I'm not even going to pronounce them. I'll butcher them. Verse 21. Go inquire the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. So you know what he's saying? I got to know what the meaning of the scriptures are. You got to find out. And note what he said. Not only for me, but he specifically said, those who are left in Israel and Judah, tell us what the word says. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because, and watch what the because factor is, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So we go all the way back to the Apostle Paul's warning to Timothy, but also the, to the church at Ephesus when he said, I've declared to you the entire counsel of God. And so he knew right here, the wrath of God, the judgment of God, the doom of God is going to come upon us because we've gotten away from the scriptures. We've quit, we've quit hearing the word of God. So here's what he does. I got to paraphrase again a little bit. He sends this guy named Hilkiah to Jerusalem to inquire. And he says, I need to hear what this means. He hears what he needs to hear. 
but he hears it from a woman. A woman named Huldah. And the Bible specifically says that this woman named Huldah was a prophetess. So if she was a prophetess, that means she had to speak into the lives of people. And when we speak into the lives of people, that means even men. Well, Pastor, you're on the, the Me Too movement, aren't you? No, I'm on the God movement. That I look at this, guys, and I'm going to try to help you this morning a little bit. I'm not trying to be politically correct here. But the Bible's very clear that it says neither Jew nor Gentile, nor male nor female. And so, who am I to ridicule? Who am I to act like I'm better than just because I'm a male and you're a female? Who am I to say, just because I'm white and you're black or red, I'm better than you? See, every bit of that is a form of arrogance and pride. That's what I believe with all my heart. And we wonder why there's not an anointing within the church, but yet we want to suppress people. Just a little thought there. So this woman named Holda, this prophetess, she speaks what the scriptures mean. And some of the things that she speaks out of her mouth right here, I believe is a warning for us to this day. Same chapter, verse 24. This is what she says. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants and all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah because. Here's the because factor. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they may provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. You forsook me. You deserted me for false gods. And what you see, the prophecy was, you brought it on yourself. And so a lot of times, uh, the nature of humanity is I can do whatever I want to do, and God's okay with it. He's not okay with it. So look what the prophecy goes on to say, verse 26. But as for the king of Judah who sent to choir in the Lord in this manner... You shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you've heard. Because your heart was tender. And you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against inhabitants. And you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and you wept before me. I have also heard you, says the Lord. Now when I read that, it shows me. You know what attracts God? A humble heart, a tender heart. And isn't it interesting that the prophecy specifically member uh, is specifically mentioned? And you tore your clothes. Because of the heart of repentance in this guy's heart right there that came out toward God. A sincere repentance. See, a lot of times, you know what we do? We repent because we got caught. 
But do I repent with a sincerity that says, Father God, I was wrong in my actions. I was wrong in my choices. And not only do I repent, one of the general meanings of the word repentance is to do a 180 to say, Father God, grace me to change. Grace me to live differently. And so because of this, this king got God's attention. Now look at the king's response in verse 31. Then the king stood in his place and he made a covenant before the Lord. He said, we're going to follow the Lord to keep his commandments, his testimonies, and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Now, if you'll notice, he said, his commandments, his statutes. And we're going to keep them with all our heart. And, and he used the word in there. And he said, we're going to do all that we're supposed to do. In other words, he said, to perform your word. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to actually keep it. So what I see this guy right here is saying, you know what? It's time to put a little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie. It's time to obey the word of God. Let's quit playing games. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin, he said, it's time to take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all of the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel. And he made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. And Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. I look at this and I think, how does my life mirror that? Do I play games with God? Or do I truly follow him? See, there's only two choices here. A person, either he walks with the things of God in his truth, or he walks in his own way. Now, I got one last passage for you. Go with me to the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. The very last chapter of James, and actually it's going to be the last two verses of James. And so I saw some truth in here recently. I begin to highlight this because I believe it goes along with what we're talking about here today. James 5, verse 19. Brethren, fellow believers, born-again Christians, if anyone among you, brethren, if anyone among you, better stated, brethren, if anyone among you in this church wonders from the truth, strays from the truth, gets into error, whether it's in doctrine or morally, guess what he just warned us about? If any of you wander from the truth, 
So that must be a possibility. That must be something that can take place, brethren. And someone turns him back. Someone turns him back to God. Someone gets him where they return to God. So for that person to return to God, that means they must have left God. You know, the message translation says this about that. Don't write them off. Don't write them off. Don't give up on them. Verse 20. Let him know that he who turns a sinner, the word denotes one devoted to sin by choice, a sinner from the error of his way, from the evil course, and he turns him, will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. He will rescue them from destruction. Wow. So you know what he's talking about? When you do what he's talking about in verse 20, you bring the one in error to a place of repentance and confession. And for forgiveness is procured. So I look at that and I think, it's great to see people get born again. But this is huge right here to see ones that have strayed to come back to the things of God. You know what I love about God? God says, I'll, I'll take you just as you are. I, I welcome you just as you are. You know, when you have an opportunity to be, be around people that need the Lord, and look at that as a great, a great honor. Say, man, I, I, I'm here to be salt. I'm here to love people. I'm not here to be critical of you. I'm here to tell you the truth. But when I look at everything that's taking place right here in these scriptures we talked about, are we at a crossroad moment? Is there things in my life that I need to purge? Do I seek God? Do, do I need to ask the Holy Spirit to take that ax and cut off the root of some things in my life that keep me from serving God the way God desires? And again, you go back and look, he was, he was talking about idols. Anything or anyone that we look to in place of God. And so he said, take an ax to it. Allow the Holy Spirit to cut that off if it's keeping you from serving God. And then I believe this with all my heart. I want to come to a place where I treasure the Word of God. I love the Word of God. I live the word of God. John 8, 32, the Lord Jesus said this, only the truth will set you free. Only the truth. And so I don't know about you, I, I would rather have truth that comes into my life that convicts me than have dessert all day and I never change. So you may be thinking, well, that guy doesn't have the hangups we did. Oh yeah, I had hangups. And there were things in my life that I had to take an ax to through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I got where I looked at my life and I think, this is dominating me. It needed to be purged. It needed to be cut off. And I, I needed help doing that. And so God began to work in me. 
And I believe with all my heart that our God is still the God who takes messes and makes miracles when we say, okay, Father God, I'm going to live like your word tells me to live. Why don't you stand up with me right now? You ain't got quiet in here. I lived a life of bondage to things, and I've lived a life by the Lord Jesus setting me free. And I'm telling you, my life is so much better. And the more I follow God and follow his word, the more my life is better. Not perfect. Doesn't mean you don't have issues. But oh my gosh, I... I love the Word of God. I I, I love to study the Word of God. And even more so now, I love to keep the Word of God. So I'm going to ask you right there where you're at today. Bow your head. And again, the thought of the Word that described Josiah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. You need to reconnect to Jesus today. You need to come back to him today. Do you need to get born again today? Maybe you say, I've never asked Jesus into my heart and be Lord of my life. I can tell you right now, Jesus loves you. And if you've gotten off track, just like we read there in James 5, and you need to come, Jesus will welcome you today. I'll welcome you today. But there may be more of you in here today that say, I need to do a purging. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the apostle Paul said this, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Does your temple, does your heart, does it need a cleansing today? I welcome a cleansing in my heart. Maybe you've never had an appetite for the, the, the word of God. Maybe you've never had an appetite to seek God. What would happen if we came down here to these altars and said, Father God, I, I welcome your grace in this. This is a new day. Yesterday's over. Tomorrow's not here. So all I got is today. Let's make our today's count. So I'm going to have them sing here. If you desire to come to these altars, I I welcome you here. Again, you're not doing it for my my benefit or my good. Just come before Father God like Josiah did. Tenderhearted. Humble to repent and say, Father God, I'm I'm not leaving today till I'm right. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.